This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams. And quite frankly, I know next to nothing when it comes to farm finances. I think it's a very interesting topic. Um, My wife and I, Allie, we just bought a house a few months ago, and going through that whole ordeal was a huge hassle. I mean, trying to figure out loans, trying to get loans, trying to figure out the finances of a house, how you can afford it, all that good stuff, and amplify that to having a farm where you've got you know, millions of dollars worth of assets, where prices change all the time. It's probably a huge headache and maybe you're a farmer and you think it is a huge headache and you hate having to worry about financing and all that good stuff or maybe you're a consumer and you're wondering how farmers do it like how they deal with um, prices of their produce fluctuating constantly how they leverage combines that cost three hundred thousand dollars how they finance the land and all that good stuff Well, today on the show, we are talking with the Senior Director of Institutional Lending at a company called Ag America, which is based here in Florida. His name is Kurt Cummington, and he's going to tell us today all about Ag America, how they're trying to help um, the lending market for agriculture a lot easier than it is, um, what exactly some key terms are, um, what bank lending is, if there's actually a difference in value when it comes to like organic farming, which is pretty interesting. And also how Ag America has a really neat tool. It's called a financial health check tool. And that's on their website, which is just agamerica.com. And if you go there, you can find their calculator and you can input a whole bunch of really neat things like accounts receivable, your cash investments, um, liabilities, breeding livestock, machinery, vehicles, long-term assets. And you can calculate how you're doing, like what you need to do better, Um, how your assets are leveraged, and all that really neat stuff. So if you're a farmer, I think you will really enjoy this episode as we're learning more and more about ag lending. And if you're a consumer, it's pretty eye-opening to hear all this really neat stuff that's going on in a completely 
unnoticed industry within ag, and that's the lending market and all that good stuff. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Again, our guest today is Kurt Covington from Ag America. Hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening. Well, Kurt Covington from Ag America, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Trevor? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to chat with you. Um, so before we dive into what Ag America is, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Um, so this will be my 45th year in agricultural lending. Spent uh, much of my time on the West Coast, uh, a good amount of my time on the East Coast, and now I'm domiciled down in Florida working out of there, but still continued to do agricultural lending across uh, an entire swath of the United States. Hey, that's awesome. What what part of Florida are you in? Uh, down near Lakeland, Florida, not too far from Tampa. Okay, I know where that is. I'm up here in Panama City, so we know okay. my wife uh, went to college at USF in Tampa. So we know Lakeland pretty darn well, and I had a bunch of ag friends from Lakeland. I know around Central Florida, Polk County, that's kind of like the ag capital of Florida, really. That's right. That's that's exactly right. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. And I didn't know that one of the largest beef ranches in the country is actually in Florida with, with Deseret Ranch. And I had no clue, but they have like one of the largest land wise um, single ranches in the country. And I was like, dang. Yep. I very well aware of that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you think about Florida, you just think about beaches and I mean, that's oranges, I guess. You don't really think about beef operations. So the more you know. That's right. So how did you get working with Ag America? And then how, what are you doing now as the Senior Director of Institutional Lending? So um, uh, my prior uh, employment, I was uh, Executive Vice President Chief Credit Officer with Farmer Mac, which is a secondary market lender headquartered in Washington, D.C. And Ag America was uh, one of our strategic partners in the origination of, of agricultural mortgages. So I've known the company, its uh, principles for uh, some time now, and, and uh, it's a pleasure to be working here with them. That's awesome. So how exactly does the ag lending market work? Because when I think about it, is it kind of just like when you go to a bank, if you're trying to buy a house and you get kind of a loan? So how exactly does that whole market work? Well, you know, it's, I guess, yeah, you, it's not horribly different than going and get a residential mortgage, right? The application process is similar. Uh, the appraisal process is similar. The title work on agricultural mortgage loans is similar. Uh, there's probably more detail around sources of repayment on the loan. Um, you know, what, what the, the plans are for the property in terms of what crops are going to be grown, what kind of revenue and profits are to be generated. But in the end, the process is not horribly different. Okay, that's not too bad. So is this really going to be for somebody who's wanting to start a farm or maybe they're wanting to expand it or maybe they need some new equipment? Yes. Yeah, so um, interestingly, so um, Ag America Lending is, um, for the most part, um, involved only in mortgage origination. So, uh, but, but, but we do oftentimes work with clients who maybe want to get financing for their equipment or an operating loan, and we can refer them to some of our partners. But for us, the process uh, is if we have an existing farmer who maybe wants to refinance their real estate or maybe wants to uh, purchase some additional real estate, it's probably 80% of our business. 
The other 20% is young beginning and small farmers who come to us who maybe this will be their first chance to buy a small parcel of land and farm on their own. Those uh, are becoming more and more uh, frequent uh, as, as the current generation of farmer transfers over to the next generation. We see a lot more young beginning and small farmers who are looking for financing. Gotcha. That's pretty interesting that there have been more and more first-time farmers. Um, would you say most of the people either doing kind of refinancing or they're just doing a first-time mortgage with y'all? Um, is it going to be a larger farm or kind of a smaller operation? What's it, what's the difference there? Well, uh, Trevor, it's interesting. So um, we have clients that come to us that maybe need a couple hundred thousand dollars for maybe it's a very small farm they're going to purchase or maybe it's a small refinance uh, to the clear to the other end where it may be a 50 or 60 million dollar transaction uh, and it too may be for refinance and or for the uh, purchase of additional properties. Uh, the market is very robust right now. Um, there's a lot of activity in the market. There's a lot of properties that are changing hands. There's a lot of interest in for many farmers to, to grow and diversify their land holdings. So it's kind of across the board what we see. I can imagine. That's pretty cool. So is it going to be, I mean, do you guys have beef ranchers, crop growers, stuff like that? I mean, do you have a mix of both? Uh, Trevor, we, we, we do business in all 20 major sectors of agriculture, and we finance up to probably a hundreds of different uh, crops within those sectors. So you ask if we're involved in the beef sector, the answer is yes. Are we involved in the dairy sector? Yes. Cattle sector, are we involved in permanent crops like citrus, grapes, almonds, walnuts, pistachios? Yes. Are we involved in row crops, uh, cotton, uh, the grain? Uh, yeah, so we, we see deals across the board and across the U.S. Oh, wow. I can imagine that. That's, that's pretty cool to hear. Pretty diverse, just like the ag industry already. Um, so how exactly does land value kind of, how do you guys evaluate land, what, what it's worth, um, kind of what really the farmer is going to be paying for however long they might be paying that mortgage? So uh, typically uh, on a mortgage, you're relying on an appraisal that is uh, conducted by an independent appraiser who has market knowledge. We have very strategic and close relationships with many appraisers across the US who we consider experts in the market. So Trevor, if you were gonna be interested in buying a piece of property out in Texas and you wanted to grow cotton on that property in a certain county where the uh, certain water rights uh, may be of issue, we have appraisers in those markets that can determine for us and for you what the value of that property is. And then once we know the value of that property, then we can commence the, uh, the approval of the loan uh, of the loan process. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm always curious to see like how land is evaluated, how it goes up, how it goes down. Um, and so I think one cool thing that I found on y'all's website is that um, y'all quoted, Farmers today are increasingly increasingly expected to generate more output with less resources. So, I mean, as they're trying to do that with either more land or less land, how are y'all trying to help them when it comes to like, you know, paying off their mortgage and all this stuff while farmers are continually asked to do more with less? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question, right? 
And so Ag America prides itself on being a financial advisor. And I mean that in the most positive sense. We, our, 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 our ultimate goal here is to ensure that our farmers get the right loan product to service their needs. And so, you know, I mean, one of my favorite sayings over the years has been, if you're happy with your banker, then all the world is right because your banker is probably your most trusted partner in your farming operation, right? And so from our perspective, we like to think that we're not just doing a transaction, that we're actually creating a relationship with that farmer. And honestly, I'd say 80% of our business is repeat business coming in from clients that we've done business with over the years, and they trust and respect us. So one of the things we do is we want to make sure that we're not um, you know, that if, if we're providing financing for some real estate, um, that it's the right mix of debt with uh, internal capital that they're providing. And we're making sure that we're not over leveraging their balance sheet. And we want to make sure that that borrower has room and comfort in their in their cash flow to service that debt. That that makes sense. I mean, you guys sound like you're a lot better than like a traditional bank that's just trying to make a profit. I mean, I mean, farming is not some get rich quick scheme. I mean, land is expensive. I like laughed when I found out how much a combine is that uh, like a good used combine is like $300,000. So it's not like farming is cheap. That, well, that's correct. So Ag America is an interesting uh, company from the perspective that we're one of the largest originators of agricultural mortgages in the US, but our business is structured as what's called an agricultural REIT, and that's a real estate investment trust. And what that provides our clients is a wider array of loan products that are typically not found in the conventional market. And so depending on your financial resources as a farmer, depending on your financial condition, depending on the crop that it is you wanna grow, we typically have a product that, that will suit that client. Uh, and honestly, we can do that uh, in all 50 states, and we do business across all 50 states. That's awesome. So how how has kind of this market changed over the past couple of years? Because my wife and I just bought a house, and we know the housing market is crazy right now. So what's the whole um, farmland market like? Well, it, it's interesting. You know, um, you know, commodity prices, and I say commodity prices, generally corn, soybeans, and the dairy sector and the beef sector have been under some stress over the prior three to five years. And one of the interesting aspects of this is you would typically think that if commodity prices are low, that somehow that should impact land values, right? So if, if, if you don't, you know, if you see corn prices going from $5 to $3.50 a bushel, you would expect land values in the corn belt to be negatively affected. We haven't seen that. In fact, what we've seen is very stable um, uh, very stable land prices throughout the US for the most part. And in areas where specialty crops are grown, particularly out in Washington, Oregon, California, down through Arizona, parts of Texas and into the South, land values have actually gone up. So not unlike, your, not unlike buying your first home, I guess, Trevor, uh, land values continue to climb. And I think a lot of that is, is because of the, of the interest rate environment, right? So while commodity prices may be, you know, very volatile and they historically have been volatile 
for generations. Interest rates really do drive the ability to sell land and to buy land as a farmer. And so interest rates have been really the key to keeping land values up, in my opinion. Mm, that, that's a good point. And while I'm thinking about it, would you is there any difference between like conventional land and organic land, like an organic farm? Is that land value going to be higher than conventional? Great question. And what we have seen is, is while we would like to believe that organic land or land that has been converted to organics should carry some kind of a premium, um, it typically is true if you're selling that organic ground to another organic grower. But if there's no other interested organic growers in the market, conventional buyers see it as, well, it's a, just a nice piece of ground. And, you know, maybe I want to farm it organically, maybe I don't. But historically, we don't see significant differences between organic land values and conventional land values, only because the market for purchasing that is pretty thin. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm always curious about organic land value and all that stuff, because there seems like in the past couple of years, there's been this huge push um, for people to grow organically or even just for like regenerative agriculture. So is that something else too um, it, for farmers or land that needs to be regenerated as they're farming? Well, we as agricultural lenders, I think as a whole believe that conventional farming and organic farming can coexist. There are a number of people out there that think that they can't coexist, but the reality of the matter is there is a place for organic farming with certain sectors of agriculture, particularly specialty crops. And typically those lands, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of time, money and effort spent to convert that to organic. On the other hand, um, conventional uh, farming has really migrated over the years to maybe something that might be referred to as natural farming, natural uh, uh, farming to the extent that, you know, you're not using all the harsh chemicals you used to use before. And today in conventional farming, most of the products that you're buying really um, are, 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 are bio-based products, not true chemical-based products. So you're starting to see kind of a, the gap between conventional farming and organic farming shrink a little bit. Uh, and th the reality of the matter is there are a number of consumers that want organic, but there still is a number of consumers out there today that still see conventional products as being healthy and in the right price range for them. I like that. And that's such a good point you brought up that um, organic and conventional can coexist. I mean, it's not like one is better than the other or one needs to outdo the other. Like there's a place for both of them. And I think the more farmers understand that and the more consumers understand it, I think the better we're going to be off because both can coexist, both have their merits and both have really good value for, for land or producing produce. Yes. And I think, uh, for example, the USDA has done a great job of supporting both. The USDA has, has, you know, really done a nice job of, of promoting and supporting organic agriculture, but also continues to support um, uh, traditional and conventional agriculture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, when it comes to Ag America, you guys have this cool thing called a financial health check tool. So what is the whole process behind that? And how is it going to help farmers? Yeah, so 
first of all, it's free, free to everybody, right? It's on our website. Uh, it's free to any farmer. They don't have to be a client of ours. They don't have to be a prospective client. They don't have to be a farmer. If they would just want to go check it out, it's free. It's an online tool, provides a live and objective assessment of a farmer's financial condition. It takes a few minutes to complete and you get a grade, just like you got in grammar school, high school and college, right? And so the whole idea is, is not just to assess yourself once, but continue to reassess yourself uh, as time goes along, right? This is a tool that will be out there as, as a, what I would view as a permanent resource, right? But it really just takes your, your financial statement, your balance sheet, where you are today with your balance sheet, what your cash flow and your income and your revenues are, and it grades you and it says, you know, based on the information that you provided, you're an A, a B, a C, or something else. Hey, well, there you go. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, it seems like it's a pretty powerful tool. I mean, what's the feedback been like from people? You know, um, it's a fairly new product, but uh, to this point out in the market, it's been a very positive response. And, you know, honestly, we at Ag America tell our clients, hey, it, this is free for the taking. Go in, use it. And, and right, there, there's nothing, look, farmers over the years, have always struggled to find places to go to get financial help. And I've been an ag banker for 40 years, 45 years actually. But, but the truth of the matter is sometimes in, in today's environment, people um, you know, want quick solutions. They want quick answers. They want places where they can you know, have information at their fingertips and they may wanna be able to do it from home. And this has just been a great tool for many of them. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's helping out farmers a whole lot. And what kind of, um, I guess, what kind of advice would you give people that want to have that long-term financial success when farming could be something that goes up and down as commodities are always changing? And of course, your commodities might, the, the price you might be getting might always be changing, but your mortgage is probably always going to stay the same. So you might be in a little bit of a pickle. So what kind of advice would you give farmers? I think that's a great question. And I would start by saying, know your numbers. And what I mean by know your numbers, have a really good understanding of your financial position at all times. And honestly, you know, I can date back to the late 70s when I started in this business. You could, as long as you were a reasonably good farmer, you could make money and you really didn't have to know much about your finances. Today, the market is completely different. The kids that are, that are coming onto the farm today really have to be able to push a pencil. Maybe that's a colloquialism that's a little bit old, but you really have to be able to push a pencil, understand how to control costs, because quite honestly, in most sectors of agriculture, farmers can't control revenue, right? They, they, the, the yield is what the yield is, and the price they get is what the price they get, but they clearly can control their costs. So number one is to know your numbers. Number two is, I think, take a long-term view of things, right? You don't want to be myopic about life. You want to look at this and say, sure, the markets may be tough today, uh, but I need to look at this long-term. And so, or, or it may be the opposite. Hey, you know, we're in a commodity super cycle. Things are great. Both of them have their pluses and minuses. But here's what I always tell farmers. You really need to separate your needs from your wants when it comes to financing. What are your needs and what are your wants? And the reason I say that, Trevor, is because most assets are purchased 
when times are good. So you talked about that used combine for $300,000. That may be a need, but I always tell people, make sure you know whether it's a need or just a want, because while you buy it during good times, you end up paying for that during the tough times, right? <laughs> Those equipment payments, mortgage payments don't go away. So it, exactly to your point is the, the payments are there, whether commodity prices are high or low. And so understanding and separating your needs from your wants is really important. That's good advice. So say somebody might have bought too much, they bought a combine or maybe they bought some more um, farmland and they're in a tough spot because maybe commodity prices went down. So is that the, the time to refinance farmland or when exactly would be the, the right time to do that? Yeah, so we see a lot of uh, uh, people back uh, when corn and soybean prices were kind of in uh, uh, tough times, uh, you know, the last several years, we saw a lot of refinancing take place. And honestly, the refinancing was an appropriate thing to do because what a lot of farmers did was they took uh, some of their real estate equity and then recapitalized their working capital position. One of the things we always preach at Ag America and I think it's absolutely true, is that having the appropriate amount of working capital is the first defense against commodity price volatility. You know, if commodity prices fall, um, you can't just go to your land equity and expect the equity to pay your bills. Mm. <laughs> you got to have working capital to meet your, your daily, your weekly, and your monthly bills. So having that land equity there as a, as a as a source of capital that can be used to refinance we saw a lot of that um, uh, in the last 5 years so what would you say is the i guess for houses or for the housing market it's like 30 years to pay off the mortgage is it just kind of depends is for farmland kind of around the same thing the same time frame yeah there's a lot more options in the agricultural market mm -hmm. Trevor so you can uh, extend a mortgage up to 30 years if you want. You can uh, do shorter term mortgages in the 25, 20, 15, 10, seven, five, and you can even get revolving lines of credit that are interest only. So there's a lot more products, particularly that Ag America offers to suit the financial needs of that borrower. So it's just a, there's just so much flexibility in the market today, particularly with the products we offer. So that, that, that's pretty good to hear. What's the, um, what's the response been like during COVID? I mean, have you seen more farmers trying to refinance or, cause I know dairy, for example, has been really suffering the dairy industry over the past couple of years, even before the pandemic. So I guess kind of a two-part question, how has the dairy industry been doing? And then how has the whole COVID thing impacted farmers? <laughs> COVID was a wild card. Mm. You know, when, 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 a year ago, March, uh, and the world turned upside down, there was a lot of fears in the agricultural communities as to, you know, what would happen with, uh, with the markets? How would that impact their ability to sell their crops? Let's talk about the dairy industry for just a second, if I could, because it's one of my industries that's near and dear to my heart. It's a very cyclical industry. You know, it goes through two years of, of or less of, of good times, followed by typically two years or a little bit less of tough times, right? So agricultural lenders are what we would call cash flow lenders during the good times and they're collateral lenders during the bad times. So when COVID hit, it was just an, an interesting dynamic because the fluid milk market really suffered because there wasn't 
a lot of fluid milk being used in the restaurant trade. Yet, at the same time, there was a lot of movement of, of dairy products, cheese, yogurt, uh, cottage cheese, butter, that were moving through the grocery stores that weren't being used in the restaurant trade. So it actually was a decent year last year for dairy farmers. Now, um, you, know, you know, in the end, no one wants to, to, to see, everyone wants to see COVID go away, right? And I, thankfully, I think we're fairly close to that. But overall, when you look at the dairy sector, it actually, I think in my mind, while it initially really had some issues in terms of the export markets, overall performed pretty well. And 2021 is gonna be a very good year for the dairy industry, in my opinion, based on where class three milk prices are today. If you go to other sectors, Trevor, uh, there are other sectors that just literally knock the cover off the ball. If you look at the fresh fruit sector, if you look at the fresh veg sector, with a few exceptions, um, the markets were very strong uh, and primarily through the retail trade. Um, you know, and so do I expect 2021 to be as good as 2020 for some of those? I actually don't. I think 2021 probably revert a little bit to more normal marketing. Uh, and as the restaurant trade opens up, uh, and, and you see some stabilization in the markets, I think uh, there'll probably be some stabilization in those prices, but there were a number of sectors of agriculture last year that really benefited, you hate to say it, from the COVID environment. Yeah, that's so strange, but I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I saw a lot of stories, and you probably saw it, um, for farmers in South Florida. I mean, they would either ship their food directly to restaurants or um, tourist destinations, and they couldn't do it. So instead, they started selling direct to consumers. And I thought that was such a cool pitch because, I mean, they very quickly converted their products um, to where farmers could buy direct. And then they made a lot of money from it because there's no middleman. They're just selling right to consumers. But the thing is, consumers were buying them a lot cheaper and a lot more produce than normal. And so it was a win-win for everybody. So it seems like it's been bad for some industries. And I mean, the ag industry has definitely suffered a lot during this, but there's been a lot, there's been a lot of people that have adapted very quickly to this really strange um, COVID situation. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree. Yeah. More. That's awesome. So what do you think as somebody that's worked around ag for his entire life, what do you think about the current farmer consumer relationship? Do you think it's good? Do you think it's getting worse? Do you think social media is helping? So what do you think about that relationship? <laughs> <clears throat> interesting it's it's uh, it's a challenge right mm -hmm. i mean farmers are becoming more and more adapted to social media and you'll oftentimes you can see on social media sites where farmers are are communicating directly with consumers and consumers want good information you know they want to know where their food came from they want to know who the farmer was that farmed it many of them would like to see it sourced locally i think the relationship between farmers and in the consumer is getting better there are times when you know certain events happen right and those events get broadcast across the media and tend to shed what i would say probably not the best light on certain farm entities or sectors and I, I don't think that does the industry justice you can't paint the entire industry with one giant paintbrush and say all conventional farming is bad. And you see that. You see there are a lot of 
A lot of media outlets that think conventional farming, they think of the word corporate farming and they think of the word, well, pesticides and they think of bad land stewardship. Trevor, it doesn't, that would be like you going out and buying a home and then lighting the house on fire. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Farmers are not in the business of destroying their one earning asset, which is their land or their dairy cattle or their hogs or their beef. Those are their earning assets. And it's important for people to understand that farmers are probably the best stewards of natural resources that there are because they depend on them day in and day out every morning when they go out those are the sources of income for them. So I, 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 tend to, I tend to get a little bit emotional about that, but I, I think to go back to your original questions, I like to think that the relationship between the farmer and the consumer is getting better. There you go. Yeah, I like that. I've heard a lot of people kind of talk about how it is getting better. I mean, people are getting more interested in where their food comes from. They're using social media. And I feel like I, I know... Um, I know social media gets a bad rap sometimes, but it's really helping bridge the gap as people, if you're like in New York City and you want to see how pork is produced, you can literally get on Facebook or Instagram and just look up um, a pork farmer and then boom, you can see all sorts of information on what they're doing, how they're doing it. So it's been a really good tool. And I mean, I know the whole foodie craze kind of started a few years ago, but that's kind of slowly transitioned into people wanting to buy local wanting to buy more sustainably grown or raised food and stuff like that. So I feel like it's been very interesting, but e even as I interview farmers and a whole bunch of other people in the, in the industry, they think it's getting a whole lot better, which is really good to hear. I agree with you. Uh, well, Kurt, this has been really fun learning about Ag America. If people are interested or if farmers want to want to learn more about Ag America and what all they can do with you, with your help, where can they go? www.agamerica.com sweet well we will link all that in the description uh kurt thanks so much again man we really appreciate it best of luck with ag america and um hope you enjoy your time in florida i, I love lakeland i love south florida i mean I'm, I'm a little i'm a little jealous i like um all the stuff in central florida up here in north florida around the gulf coast is pretty cool too but there's a lot of fun stuff to do in central florida as well stop by and see us sometime Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kurt. I hope you learned a lot. I know I sure did. Um, ag lending is a lot more complicated than I ever thought. Um, if you remember, we have Farm Traveler shirts. And if you want one, we still have, I think, about five or six left. And we're also getting hats very, very soon. So be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more information on that. Um, if you would like a shirt, feel free to email me at farmtravelerseries at gmail.com or you can visit our store page which is just thefarmtraveler.com and then at the menu you can just click on the store option and you'll see our really cool store which has got t-shirts hats all that good stuff on there uh so yeah all of the proceeds go to helping the show helping us buy um ad space on spotify and facebook and instagram and all that good stuff so yeah thanks for listening and thanks for your support whether it's you know just listening or buying all this cool merch that we're slowly coming out with. So thanks again, and we'll see you next week.